It's time to be equipped with spiritual battle. Defending the Faith is a show to train Christians worldwide to be effective teachers and speakers on the subject of biblical creation so that the next generation can stand firm on the biblical truth and defend their faith. Now here is your host of Defending the Faith, Mike Riddle. Welcome to Defending the Faith. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, and our job is to train people how to defend their faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, how to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ, how to answer the challenges such as, who did Cain marry? How could Adam name all the animals in one day? Was it really a worldwide flood? And how could Noah fit all those creatures in the ark? And what about carbon-14 dating? And that is our topic today. We're going to go through carbon-14, part two. And we're going to get just a little bit technical on this one, because we're going to talk about how the dating process really is supposed to work. Now, a little review here. In part one on our carbon-14, we discussed things such as, what is carbon-14? Well, it's an atom, and it has six protons and eight neutrons. And here's the difference. All carbon atoms, no matter what variety they come in, have six protons. That's how we determine what kind of an element we have. For example, nitrogen. All nitrogen atoms have seven protons. All oxygen atoms have eight protons. But again, all carbon atoms have six protons. We also discussed where does carbon-14 come from, and we talked about these cosmic rays, highly energized particles coming down from outer space, bombarding our upper atmosphere, and the end result is some of the, of the nitrogen atoms get converted into carbon-14 atoms. We also discussed that carbon-14 is found in once living things or organic material and not in most rocks. Therefore, carbon-14 can only be used to date once living things and not rocks. We also mentioned that carbon-14 is unstable. In other words, it radioactively decays into another element, which happens to be nitrogen-14. So the carbon-14 that is produced in the atmosphere over time changes back into nitrogen-14. We also talked about how long it took this change to take place, and we measure that in terms of half-lives, how long it takes half the remaining carbon-14 to decay into nitrogen-14. And we estimated that to be about 5,730 years. That's the half-life of carbon-14. And we determined from that about the maximum dating range, the very maximum we could date anything, be about 80,000 years using carbon-14. So those are some of the things we discussed in part one. Now in part two, we will discuss two very important ideas here. Number one, how the dating process actually works or is supposed to work. And number two, how reliable is it? Now to understand the dating method, we need to know that there are different types of carbon. The naturally occurring ones are carbon-12, carbon-13, and carbon-14. Now, all of these have six protons. That's what makes them carbon. The difference is between them, they each have a different number of neutrons. For example, carbon-12 has six protons and six neutrons, hence carbon-12. Carbon-13 has six protons, but seven neutrons, giving us the 13. And carbon-14 has six protons, but eight neutrons. So that's what we mean by the different types of carbon. And we have different forms of an element. We call it isotopes. So these are isotopes. They're all carbon, but different uh, forms based on the number of neutrons in there. 
Also, we must know that dating methods, such as carbon-14 here, you do use scientific procedures in the present to interpret what has happened in the past. That is a key thing to remember about all these dating methods. We use scientific procedures present that we have in the present to interpret something that happened in the past. So the procedures are not what are necessarily in question. It is the interpretation of the past events or the unobserved events that are really in question here. So let's get into this. How does the dating process really work? Now, to understand this, to do carbon-14 dating, we also must use the other form of carbon, carbon-12. So carbon-12 and carbon-14 will help us understand how the dating works. But what is the difference between carbon-12 and carbon-14 besides the number of neutrons? Well, the difference is carbon-12 is what we call a stable isotope. It never changes. Carbon-12 stays carbon-12. But carbon-14 is what we call an unstable isotope. In other words, over time, it changes into nitrogen-14. So there's another major difference. Carbon-12 is stable. Carbon-14 is not. Now, what we need to know is three things or answers to three critical questions that will help us understand the dating. Number one, how long does it take carbon-14 to decay? What was the starting amount of carbon-14 in the creature we're trying to date when it died? That was, when we find a fossil, we need to know how much carbon-14 was in it from the very start. And number three, are there any assumptions involved here? So all three of those are very critical to validating this carbon-14 dating process. So critical question one, how long does it take carbon-14 to decay? And we talked a little bit about that in part one. The decay rate of carbon-14 is 5,730 years. That is what we call one half-life. How long it takes half the remaining carbon-14 to decay into nitrogen-14. For example, if we start it with a jar containing only carbon-14 atoms, after 5,730 years, or one half-life, the jar would then contain one-half carbon-14 atoms and one-half nitrogen atoms. Now, there's half the carbon-14 would have decayed into N14 or nitrogen-14. Now, at the end of two half-lives, or 11,436 years, or 60 years, the jar would then contain one-fourth carbon-14 atoms, and three-fourths nitrogen-14 atoms. Well, let's use something a little more tasty to get this illustration. Suppose we start it with a nice, warm apple pie. We have a full apple pie in front of us. And the first hour that pie is sitting out there, I eat half of it, and I can probably do that. I eat half the pie. Then the second hour comes, now, comes by, I ate half the remaining pie. So now the question is, how much pie is remaining? Well, after the first hour, half is remaining. How about after the second hour? Now we only have a quarter of the pie remaining. So there's only a quarter of the pie remaining. Now after the third hour, I during the third hour, I eat half that remaining pie. So how much of the apple pie is remaining? Well, half a quarter is one-eighth. So what is the half-life of this pie? Well, it is one hour. Every hour half the apple pie is gone. That's the same process we're talking about here. Every 5,730 years, half the remaining carbon-14 
has decayed. Now, does that mean we're going to run out of carbon-14 in the atmosphere? Well, no, because it is constantly being added via the cosmic rays. So it's being added to the atmosphere, and it is decaying out. Now, that brings us to critical question number two. What was the starting amount of carbon-14 in the creature when it died? Now, scientists know the original amount of carbon-14 in the creature when it died. They can measure the current amount of carbon-14 and calculate how much is remaining, how much has gone, how much has decayed. In other words, how many half-lives have expired. For example, if three half-lives have passed, then the creature has been dead for three half-lives again, which would be three times 5,730 years, or had been dead for 17,190 years. That's how this process starts. Start. It works, actually. We must know the starting amount of carbon-14 when that creature died. So if it's been dead for three half-lives, each half-life is 5,730 years, multiply that by three, that gives us 17,190 years. That's how old that creature is. But to know this, the starting amount, the amount of carbon-14 in the creature when it died, we need to know two very important pieces of information. So this is not a simple process. There's a lot we need to know in order for carbon-14 to be a valid dating method. These two things we must know are, what is the ratio of carbon-12 to carbon-14 in the atmosphere? And we have a pretty good calculation of that. In other words, it's about one trillion to one. In other words, for every one trillion carbon-12 atoms in the atmosphere, there is one carbon-14 atom. Now, what does that mean? Well, if we're eating and breathing things that have carbon-14 in them, then we should have, and all living creatures should have the same ratio in them, one trillion to one. So that would be our starting point right there. Now, we all supposed to have one trillion to one ratio, carbon-12 to carbon-14. So that would mean when that creature died, that would be the ratio in there, one trillion to one. That would be our starting point. Now, has this ratio, number two, has this ratio always been the same? Is it always been one trillion to one? If it has, then we have a valid starting point. Because remember, carbon-12 does not decay. It stays in there. But the carbon-14 does decay. So the ratios will change. So since no one was there to measure this initial amount when the creature died, in other words, no one was there to measure was this ratio one trillion to one, there is an assumption involved in the carbon-14 dating. In other words, there would be nobody there these alleged 30,000 years ago to measure the ratio between carbon-12 and carbon-14 in that creature when it died. So there has to be assumption. <clears throat> if this assumption is false, then the dating method will give incorrect ages. Even under the best calibration routines, it will give incorrect ages. However, if the assumption is true, then carbon-14 dating can be a very valid dating method of dating fossils up to about 80,000 years. So let's see how this works. Let's go back some carbon-12 background. Before we go any further, we need to review, again, the difference between carbon-12 and carbon-14 because this is critical. We already know that carbon-14 is unstable and it decays into nitrogen-14. But again, carbon-12 is a stable form of carbon and never changes. 
Therefore, when a creature dies, the carbon-14 continues to decay out of the creature, but the carbon-12 amount will remain the same. What this means is once something dies, over time, the ratio in there of carbon-12 to carbon-14 will change. Why? Because once we die, we no longer breathe or we no longer eat, so we're not taking any more carbon into our body. But the kinds of carbon that were in there, especially carbon-14, will change. It will decay out. But the carbon-12 remains the same. So the ratios will change. Let's go through an illustration of how this is supposed to work. Remember, carbon-12 stays the same. Carbon-14 decays out. And the ratio is 1 trillion carbon-12 atoms for every 1 carbon-14 atom. So let's suppose we were to find a fossil and it had 100 carbon-14 atoms in there, but it also had 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That would be a ratio of 1 to 1 trillion. In other words, the number of half-lives that expired would be zero. Therefore, how long has this creature been dead? Well, it has been dead very recently. It had almost zero years. It just died because the ratio is still one trillion to one. Suppose we found a fossil and we measured only 50 carbon-14 atoms in it, but it still had 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. Well, that would be a ratio of one to two trillion. That is, one half-life would have expired, meaning it had been dead for about 5,730 years. That's how this works. We must measure the amount of half-lives that have expired to help us determine the approximate age of this fossil. Now let's find another fossil. Let's suppose we found only 25 carbon-14 atoms in it, but again, it still has 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That would be a ratio of one carbon atom, but four trillion, a four to, to four trillion. That would be the ratio, one to four. In other words, two half-lives would have expired. That fossil is about 11,460 years old. Let's find another fossil. Let's suppose it has about 12, 12 to 13 carbon-14 atoms. But again, the carbon-12 is still 100 trillion. That gives us a ratio of 1 to 8. That would be three half-lives would have expired to get that ratio of 1 to 8. That means that fossil is about 17,190 years old. If we, found a if we found a fossil that only had about six carbon-14 atoms in it, but still had 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms, that would be a ratio of 1 to 16, or four half-lives, that fossil would be 22,920 years old, approximately. And finally, let's do one more. Suppose we found a carbon-14 atom, or car a fossil that had only three carbon-14 atoms in it, but 100 trillion carbon-12 atoms. That would be a ratio of 1 to 32, or about five half-lives have expired. That means that fossil would be 28,650 years old. That's how the process is supposed to work. It's based on the number of half-lives, and we determine that by the ratio of carbon-14 to carbon-12 in that fossil. And again, the maximum dating range using the best equipment would only go back about 80,000 years. 
So if somebody says they carbon dated a fossil and they carbon dated it to be 2 million years old, they do not understand the process. That is not how carbon-14 works. Now, again, this assumes, this whole process assumes that the carbon-12 to carbon-14 ratio has always been the same in our atmosphere. Now, what could make this assumption not true? What might change this assumption? Now, remember, from part one, carbon-14 is constantly being produced in the atmosphere by the bombardment of cosmic rays. In addition, carbon-14 is also constantly decaying into nitrogen-14. For this assumption to be correct, the amount of carbon-14 being produced in the atmosphere and the amount decaying must have always been the same. Do you get that? This is what we call equilibrium. It must have an equal amount of carbon-14 in the atmosphere. The amounts being produced must equal the amount that's decaying to have a steady amount in the atmosphere. If this is not true, then the ratio of carbon-12 to carbon-14 is not constant, it's not in equilibrium, and therefore we can't accurately know the original amount of carbon-14 in the creature when it died. So this is a critical assumption. Now, the founder of carbon-14 dating method, Dr. Willard Libby, in his original work, and you can read this in his book, he noted that the atmosphere did not appear to be in equilibrium, carbon-12 to carbon-14. What did Dr. Libby do with this? He ignored the fact that the assumption was false, as do most textbooks today. Dr. Libby's calculation also showed that if the Earth started with no carbon-14 in it, it would take about 30,000 years to build up to a steady state or equilibrium state there. Did you get that? If we started with no carbon-14 in the atmosphere, it would only take about 30,000 years to reach this equilibrium. Now, here's the problem. We have discovered over and over again, this is repeatable, observable science, that we are not in equilibrium. The carbon-14 being produced in the atmosphere is being produced faster than it is decaying, meaning we're not in equilibrium. But if it only takes 30,000 years to reach equilibrium, what is our conclusion? The conclusion has to be the Earth is less than 30,000 years old. That is based on observable, repeatable science there. See, the evolutionists are ignoring the assumption to produce their dates. That is not good science at all. We need to get back to something called critical thinking, and that's not being done. In addition, there are also other factors that can affect the dating process by limiting the production of carbon-14 in the atmosphere, such as the magnetic field of the Earth and the Genesis flood. See, the Earth has a magnetic field around it, which helps protect us from the harmful radiation from outer space. This magnetic field, however, is decaying. It's getting weaker. The stronger the field is around the Earth, the fewer the number of cosmic rays that are able to penetrate our atmosphere, this would result in a smaller production of carbon-14 in the atmosphere in the Earth's past. If the production rate of carbon-14 in the atmosphere was less in the past, then dates given using the carbon-14 dating method would result in giving older ages than the true age. You see, this whole assumption is very important. Likewise, the Genesis flood would further dilute 
the amount of carbon-14 and caused the carbon-12, carbon-14 ratio to be much smaller than today. And it also would cause dates to give to be in error. They would give older ages than the true age. So when we look at all this, a conclusion about carbon-14, seven facts here. The assumption for carbon-14 dating has been proven false. Therefore, the reported dates will also be in error, meaning the true age is much younger than reported. Number two, since it takes about 30,000 years to reach equilibrium, in other words, the amount of carbon-14 being produced in the atmosphere is equal to the amount that's decaying, and since we are not in equilibrium, it means the Earth is less than 30,000 years old. Now, these facts I'm giving you are not mentioned in our textbooks. Why? They just don't want to have critical thinking in our schools when it comes to evolution. That's been ruled out. Let's get to fact number three. The fact that we are finding carbon-14 in coal and diamonds and other types of minerals means the Earth is also young. See, according to evolutionists, coal is hundreds of millions, tens to hundreds of millions years old. That means there should be no carbon-14 in there. But yeah, we are finding carbon-14 in all the coal samples. Diamonds are supposed to be billions of years old, but we're finding carbon-14 in there also. And this is not due to contamination. Fact number four, the fact that scientists are finding carbon-14 in dinosaurs means they can only be a few thousand years old. This is now common knowledge. Scientists are finding carbon-14 in the dinosaur bones, and it is not due to contamination. That means dinosaurs are really not that old also, not according to the facts of science, the observable, repeatable science. Fact number five, the Bible does teach the Earth is only about 6,000 years old. Fact number six, the Bible and true science do agree. See, carbon-14 is not something we should worry about as a Christian. See, the carbon-14 does demonstrate the earth has to be young. And then finally, fact number seven, since the Bible's history is true and the Old Testament points to the New Testament, the salvation message must also be true. And what is that salvation message that is true? Well, let's start in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, when it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our, <clears throat> dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. What is that telling us, folks? It doesn't matter what you've done out there. This is a great part of the gospel message, the salvation message. It does not matter what you have done in your past. God's Grace and mercy is big enough to cover it. And then we read in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, our God, the Bible, the salvation message says, his grace and mercy can cover it. And he gave his Son, Jesus Christ, to take our place on the cross. His shed blood covers it all. His, the finished works, when he rose up out of that grave, did it, folks. You cannot work your way to heaven. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ, and it is a free gift 
that you need to accept. You see, the Old Testament is real history. It is reliable. The scientific evidence supports the real history of the Bible, not evolutionism. And since the Old Testament points to the New Testament, that salvation message is also true. There is no other name under all heaven by which we can be saved. And that name, ladies and gentlemen, is Jesus Christ. Thank you, and God bless you. That's all for today's show. Defending the Faith airs each Saturday at noon right here on KBXL 94.1 The Voice. For more teachings and resources, visit creationtraining.org or the program archive page on 941thevoice.com.